Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. All right. Hey, we're on the Jesus trip. Everybody on the Jesus trip. And it is good news. Actually, Tuesday, Tuesday this week, we get into the New Testament. Woo! You know, I, I decided I'd love to. I always wanted to preach through the Bible in a year with a congregation, so it's been fun. I'm wondering now, though, if I shouldn't have chose that one-year Bible that had a little bit of new, a little bit of old each day, and because and, it was kind of hard sometimes going through the old all day long. It was kind of rough, eh? And, you know, here we are, and, you know, but we're, and there's a lot of good stuff, but the Old Testament is beautiful if you see it through the lens of the cross. And when, because Jesus said, the Old Testament speaks about me. So if that's what the Old Testament is about, we've got to see the wonderful, that beautiful thread, the, the bloodline, that, that red thread of redemption that's all through the Old Testament. We've got to see Jesus. I think we've been good. I think we've been, been, been uh, able to see Jesus in so many places. Amen? So here we are again today. So today the sermon title is The Kissing Frogs. It is kissing frogs. So what do princesses kissing frogs, Cinderella and ugly ducklings have in common? Well, they all describe that, that wonderful journey of transformation where, where ugly things get turned into something beautiful. And doesn't everybody like a happy ending? Can I get an amen? You know, and everybody does like a happy ending, but let me give you the ending of the Old Covenant. Let me give you the ending of the New Testament. You're, you read it today or tomorrow, you're going to read the ending. Actually, our Bible, even our Bible didn't like the ending of the Old Covenant, and they took Joel and put it out of place and put it out of order, and they, they didn't put Malachi at the end. And they moved Joel with a bit of a happy ending at the end instead of Malachi. But here's how the Old Covenant, here's how all of the Old Covenant scriptures end. You ready? He says, after all many beautiful promises, and dialogue with the people. He says, remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant. I mean, he brings them right back to the law. (laughs) Oh my goodness, he brings them right back to the law. And then he says, all the decrees and regulations. He says, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers. He's talking about there's gonna come and that's a type we know. That's a type of John the Baptist who really is the last old covenant prophet is John the Baptist. Even though he's in the New Testament, he's the last old covenant prophet. How do you know that? Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says John was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. What does that tell us about the teaching and preaching of John? It was Old Testament stuff. So he's the guy who said, repent and God will bless you. That's old covenant model. You know, we are blessed, therefore we repent. That's the good news. That's the new model. But a lot of people say, but it's in the New Testament. It must be New Testament stuff. He was an Old Testament prophet. He was still preaching from a mosaic perspective. So here we got, you know, he said, I promise you that. But here's what it says. It says, otherwise I will come strike the land with a very last word in the new covenant. Have a great day. No, the very last word in the Old Covenant is, I'll strike the land with a curse. Wow, I'm glad that's over. Literally, straight up, the word curse is care. It means you'll be devoted to destruction. So right at the end, the prophet Malachi, you know, he puts a hit out on everybody if you don't obey every single one of the laws. That's a pretty horrible way to end the book, don't you? Doesn't everybody like happy endings? 
but it doesn't end well. And he reinforces the law. He reinforces obey the law or it's not going to go well with you. So we've been talking about in the end of this passage, you got the restoration of the people of God. They went into captivity and now the word to Jeremiah, we're going to restore everything. You've been here 70 years. Time to go back. Beautiful promises. And they saw promises that pointed to a Messiah, promises that pointed to the new covenant. But they went back. They rebuilt the temple. The temple's established. And when they went back, all three of these leaders went back with great hopes. But then all three of these leaders, they had opposition and then everything ended up in, in a disappointment and corruption and all the things that where they were doing that sent them into captivity. It was all repeating itself again. And the people were desperate going, oh my goodness, this is not what we had hoped for. So in Nehemiah 13, 25 and 21, Nehemiah, the last of, of the leaders of the return, he went back to the kingdom and then he, he was sent back to Jerusalem. When he came back, he found out the people were miserable again. I mean, when I was here, we, we, we rebuilt the walls. We set everything up. Everything was wonderful. And, and then suddenly I come back and you've taken foreign wives, which that's not the bad thing, but now you're worshiping their gods. And I mean, everything's an absolute total train wreck and a mess. And as a good pastor, he got so mad at them, he slapped them around physically. He grabbed their beards and he pulled out their hair and said, what's wrong with you? I want you to know I'm doing this for your own good. Obey the law. Obey the law. You haven't done a good job this week. Be better people. What's wrong with you? How are they going to know that we're the people of God if you keep living like wretches? Oh, <laughs> sounds like church. But Nehemiah thought, it's come to this. They won't from their hearts obey you, so I'm going to slap it into them. And then he says, oh God, you know, I'm doing this for you. Remember me. You know why? Because he felt rotten. You, you ever done something and you think you did it for the right reason? You try to justify it, but you know it was totally wrong. You go, I had good intentions. But you know what? The law can never, ever bring about change in anybody's life. And yet they were stuck in that miserable construct, hoping for a day. But thank God for Malachi. He didn't leave us there. Malachi also had some good promises. Here's how Malachi starts. You ready? Malachi 1 verse 2. Here's God saying, hey, I've always loved you. Hey, everyone, thus says the Lord, I've always loved you. And here's their response. You ready? Here's the response. Really? Whatever. Are you kidding me? You call this love? You've always loved us? Hey, look, look around. Like the prophets, yea, my people, God would say to you, I have always loved you. And all the people said, Really? And this whole prophecy was, was God saying things and the people saying, hey, I don't agree. And he says, well, look, you haven't been faithful. Where were we faithful? Like in the part Zach talked about, he says, you've robbed me. Where do we rob you? What are you talking about? And then they went on in this constant dialogue where, where the people of God and God were at total odds with each other. And there's this, this conversation going on where God says something, we disagree. They say something, God says, I disagree. And it seems to be this miserable situation going on. And it all began with, I've always loved you. And they're like, whatever. But thank God there's some beautiful promises in Malachi. In Malachi chapter 3, 1 to 4, it says, look, I'm sending you my messenger and he will prepare the way. Say, prepare the way. Prepare ye the way. That reminds me of a prayer meeting about 30 years ago at Elam Bible Institute. 
The room was all quiet, but then Brian Keener stood up and went, prepare ye the way. It was so good. Brian, you remember that? You do remember that. I know. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, there's Brian. But you know what? Here he's prophesying, prepare the way. And he says, someone's going to come. And he's talking about John the Baptist. He says, a man is going to come. My messenger. That's what, what Malachi means. His name means my messenger. And he said, there's one going to come. One going to come. I'm sending. And he will prepare the way. Say then. Say then. Then, after that one has come to prepare the way, it says, then the Lord who you are seeking will suddenly come. So the prophet understands, God understands that these people are looking for something better. We had better hopes than what we're seeing. And he's saying, you know, hang in there. I'm telling you, there's a messenger coming who's going to prepare the way. And then the one you're seeking, he's going to suddenly come to his temple. And it's not come to temple like stones and mortar. It's temple. It's he's going to come into a physical body. There's going to come a time when the one you're looking for, he's going to come and he's going to take on flesh and blood. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's prophesying that God is going to come so that what you're experiencing, this misery you're experiencing, God is going to come. A man is going to become the temple of God himself. He's going to come suddenly to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look so eagerly for, he will surely come. So Malachi, even though he's saying, I know it's tough, I know it ain't all that, but I'm telling you, it's going to come. What you're hoping for, what you're longing for, times are being constrained. The fullness of time is almost at hand. God is going to come, and he's going to redeem his people. So what a great promise. And I mean, they're going, well, isn't it going to be good then? Won't it be wonderful then? Woo! Thank God we live on this side of that promise. You know, they by faith, they, they by faith received it. They by faith were brought into the kingdom because they believed in the promise. But we by faith don't, it's not we believe in the promise. We believe in the fulfilled performance of Jesus Christ. And that promise is ours right now. He is surely coming, says the Lord of the armies of heaven. Another beautiful promise, Malachi 4.2. He says, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go free, leaping like with joy, like calves let out into the pasture. That's us. That's why when we come and our worship is so frolicking and full of people spinning and full of joy because we know what it is to be set free. Amen. We know what it is to have the son of righteousness and his healing affect every aspect of our lives. We know what it is to experience the freedom of this new covenant life. Amen. So they had to have faith in that promise knowing it will come to pass. Romans 3, 21 and 22. But now, say but now. Scream it at your other neighbor. But now. Not someday, but now, but now. God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. Now Malachi ended, keep the law or I'm going to get you. Wowzers. But here, here's some good news. Ready? All those people would have went, what? There's a way to be right with God that's not checking boxes and fulfilling those legal requirements? I mean, they'd have been, What? There's another way to get this done. There's another way to be reconciled with God. There's another way to have peace with God. Are you kidding me? Perk up and pay attention. There's another way. There's a new way to be made right with God and without keeping the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and in the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, the first service, they were all running around now just going, yes! 
how are you made right with God? Well, you got to wake up early and pray and fast. You got to live good. Got to live good every day. You know, that's why they were all miserable. But there is a way to be made right with God without fulfilling the requirements of the law. Wow. It's, it's through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Jew, Gentile, slave, free, whoever you are, the just shall live by faith. Let's just say hallelujah, whether you know it or not. It's just a really good place to say thank you, Jesus. Let's go to Galatians 2. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. If you are embracing any fraction, little tiny bit of law keeping as a way of having a relationship with God, you literally are saying about the cross and the finished work of Christ, no big deal. No big deal. I got it covered myself. Self-righteousness stinks and it's the biggest sin of them all. That's the, that's the sin that Adam and Eve got tempted with. Don't you want to be like God? Why, yes, we do. Wouldn't you like to do it on your own terms? Yes, we would. Eat this. But you know, we've been called to a life of total, complete dependence on God by faith alone. Can I get a hello? By faith alone. Galatians 5, verse 4, you have become estranged from Christ. You become separated from Christ. You, you have become literally, you know, messed up in your relationship with Christ. Who, who, who did? Who did? You who attempt to be justified by the law. If you attempt to be justified by the law, you're fracturing your relationship with God. He said, you have fallen from grace. Where do you need to stay? In your relationship with God, where do you need to fix yourself? You need to fix yourself in that this relationship is based on his goodness and his grace and not on me keeping the rules. There's also charismatic Gnosticism. There's also charismatic rule keeping. There's charismatic legalism. That, you know, you can get closer to God if you just do these three things for 22 months. Woohoo, woohoo, woohoo. And we add all kinds of other stuff to the cross. We add all kinds of other stuff. To Jesus is the new and living way. And take three of these, one of those four box tops, and send it off to Kellogg's. We charismatics love to add performance to it and self-righteousness. Oh, I'm a little closer to God than you. How did you do it, sister? Oh, well, you know, I did this and I did that. I do 24 of these and, oh, now I'm in a new realm. Okay, it's rough, but you know what? If you do any of that, you literally, you end up estranging yourself from God. You've fallen from grace. Romans 8, verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined. Predestined. Now, some people go, like, only some people are predestined. Are you the predestined ones? Tell me, how many of you? Let me check. Let me check in the spirit. Oh, you're in, you're in, you're in. Not sure about you. You're in, you're in. Yes, God has chosen you. Ah, uh, not you. And, you, and you. what was he thinking? You and you. Predestination isn't a choice of God of who gets in. Predestination is what God has predestined you to. And what God has predestined each of us to is every person. He has predestined each and every one of us to be reconciled with himself. He's predestined each and every one of us to be containers of his glory. He's predestined every single one of us to, to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's predestination. And he predestined everyone to that. And because he had a place to bring everybody in, what did he do? He called everybody. He called everybody to that predestined place. Hey, everybody, I got a new place in me. Come on in. I predestined everyone to be reconciled with the Father. 
Woo! So he called everybody. And those he called, he justified. He justified. You don't justify yourself. You don't qualify. You don't qualify yourself. He qualified you. He justified you. Easy definition for justified. It's weak, but it's not bad. Just as if you'd never sinned, never will, never past, present, future. Sin, gone. I'm justified once and for all. That's not it, though. And then he gives you a way that you could possibly stand in glory. Hallelujah. That's not it. It says, those he justified, he also, past tense, done, finished work, he glorified. He glorified. He glorified. Do you know what that means? If you've been glorified, you can't be improved upon. But I'm on an improvement trip right now. He, what he does... And he alone does it. And you can't add anything to Jesus or else you've made it a different gospel. Glorified. You see what glorified is? Doxadzo. To those he has doxadzo. That means there's a bigger definition than this. I've just taken a little bit out of the definition. It means to make glorious, to impart glory to, and to render it excellent. Literally to make it Make it, not declare it or make available perfection, but to make it absolutely, totally perfect. Are there any perfect people here today? Are there any people trying to be perfect today? Thank God we didn't get any of those hands. But that's a lot of what church is. Hey, come to church with me. We're trying to get perfect. Here's the good news. What you could not do because of the weakness of your flesh, God has done on your behalf. And God himself has rendered you and declared you holy in his sight. Perfect in his sight. Hallelujah. You know what that does to you? Makes you want to live in an excellent way. Lifts up your head. Changes your gait. Who do you think you are? Perfect. Let all the perfect in the Lord say so. Woo! Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Woo! Redeemed to what? Redeemed to a life of trying, trying. I've been set free by Jesus. Who the Son set free is free indeed. I've been released into a realm of trying, trying. No, you are perfect. Absolutely perfect in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? All right, settle down. You're so excited today. All right, let's go. Look in the mirror. That's what's God. You want to see the glory of God? Who wants to see the glory of God? Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. We are all transformed from old covenant glory to new covenant glory as we behold him with an unveiled face because if the veil of the law is up, you'll never see the glory. But when the veil is taken away and the law is removed from your life, you get to see he has transformed me from glory, old covenant glory to new covenant glory. It's so good. It's so good. So, John 14, 18 to 26. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I love this. Jesus is saying, you know, there's a new covenant and all that stuff, but even after the new covenant, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to be going away. I'm done, but I won't leave you as orphanos, as orphans. He said, I will come to you. But when the Father sends the advocate, the paraclete, the standby, the one who's going to come alongside of you, that personal advocate, that representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and he will remind you of everything I have told you. So here's what the Holy Spirit does. He personally comes alongside of you, and all the truth that I just declared to you, it's not by works, so no one can boast, but it's by the Spirit of God. 
It's the Spirit of God now comes along and says, Hi, I'm here to unpack your perfection. I'm here to unpack how excellent you are. I'm here to, how, to unpack how to live freely the life of God. Freely you've received, freely give. And the Holy Spirit comes to our life and he does all that. So that's what that's all about. So Ezra, in Ezra they built the temple. Can you say they built the temple? So the temple was a type of, you know, that whole experience where your heart's new and there's worship going on and there's been a restoration to God. But just the temple was built. So the temple had been built, worship restored, but the people were still, as Nehemiah said, they were still in great trouble and reproach. That doesn't make sense, does it? The temple's built. We've been sent back. We're anointed to do all of this restoration. The temple's built. We're worshiping God, but the walls are burnt down and busted. The gates are all destroyed, and here we are. We can't even keep a fox from stealing all our chickens, and yet worship to God has been restored. The temple has been restored. Doesn't make sense. There's a pattern of this. You see, Ezra is a pattern of, of going back in that whole rebirth experience. But then it's not enough just to be born again. We want to see the full expression of the life of Christ. We want to see the walls of your personality, the gates of authority. We want to see all these things restored in your life. So Nehemiah, his name means divine comforter. So the divine comforter is a sign to come back and restore the walls. So in, in verse 4, Nehemiah chapter 1, it says, The wall of Jerusalem being torn down, the gates destroyed by fire, it says, he was sad. The Holy Spirit was, oh, I don't like this. And you see, the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside you. And anywhere in your life where you're not manifesting the victory that's yours, the Holy Spirit is going to work with you to bring into expression the full manifestation of Christ's life. I don't know about you, but, if, you know, a lot of pastors would just say, now you folks got to try harder. You're a believer now. So all those folks out there, they're looking at us. And if we're going to reach the lost, you got to be a better believer. So, you know, get into the word. And here's a few more laws to obey this week. But it's not that. It's, you know what? You can do it all because it's Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's not your effort is the hope of glory. It's leaning strongly on the realization that the Holy Spirit has been sent to me to bring into expression the very life of God. And so what's your job? Lean heavily be intoxicated with, drink deeply of the Holy Spirit every day. That's your job. So the Holy Spirit comes. Nehemiah is a type of the Holy Ghost. Let's go, pastor. All right, A.W. Tozer, he said this. He said, it becomes the devil's business to keep the Christian spirit imprisoned. He knows that the believing and justified, say believing, say justified. He knows that the believing and justified Christian has been raised out, has been, has been justified, has been raised up out of the grave of sins. Yet Satan works that much harder to keep us bound and gagged than actually imprisoned in our own grave clothes. He knows that if we can continue in this kind of bondage, we will never be able to claim our rightful spiritual heritage. Sadly, a whole bunch of people, they come to Jesus, they get saved, and then they're introduced to a treadmill of performance. Now read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 and and they're like, now we got a whole bunch of hamsters on treadmills trying to work out what God worked in when it's not your job. Should you read your Bible? Yeah, directed by the Holy Ghost. Should you pray? Should you, should you do these things? Yeah, led by the Holy Ghost. But it's not something that you do and you now have to establish. Establish a pattern now in your life. Prove that you are who God says you are. You don't have to prove nothing because the Holy Ghost is going to bring it about in your life. In fact, you proving this stuff actually usually leads to disappointment, frustration, and self-righteousness, which stinks. But you know, when you can freely do it, let's like Zach talking about tithing. We believe in tithing, but we believe in tithing from free people, not from people who are bound to the law. 
I mean, in fact, when you're free, you don't tithe 10%. You tithe 20, 30, 40, 50 or more. Amen. I know people are trying to live off of 10 and give 90. I mean, you're not stuck at 10. Just speak to yourself now and say, I can go more. I can go bigger. I can go further in Jesus' name. Don't limit it to that. You know what? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? So Tozer is saying this, that, you know, there's believers who are justified. They are free. They are perfect. But then they get stuck in this treadmill of performance, and that doesn't look that good. So here's Nehemiah. He was really saddened. He was saddened by the fact that, that the worship in the temple were restored, but the people still looked like a mess, and they couldn't even protect themselves. So he said, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to do this right. So you ready? Here we go really fast. Say, we're ready. Liberty and wholeness and dominion is ours first by the promise of the Father. The promise is activated by the believer's faith, and it's helped by the activity of the Holy Ghost. Number one, the Holy Spirit comes to you. In Nehemiah chapter two, the Holy Spirit, when he came, he asked for authority, he asked for abundance, and he asked for angels. When he comes, the Holy Spirit today comes to you. What's he packing, Pastor? He's packing authority. He's the third person of the Godhead, and he's coming with power. He's coming with authority. He has authority to make every change in your life, and he will. He's ready to do it. He's able to do it, can do it. What's he come with? He comes with abundance. All the resources necessary to make the changes in your life, the Holy Ghost is packing to fully make the change. What's the next thing? It says that they're coming. He said, send with me officers and send with me the cavalry. So Nehemiah didn't go by himself on a little horse down to Jerusalem. He went with all the king's army and all the horses and all the king's men, and he was there to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. So he came, and I'll tell you, there's going to be a massive explosion of the angelic in this realm because angels are, are partners with us and partners with the Spirit of God, just like they're partners with Nehemiah, partners with the divine comforter. There's going to be a manifestation. You don't even know it. I mean, you and snoozing, but the angelic realm has been radically active in your life, all your life. And there's way more going on than you even know, but there's an acceleration going to happen right now because God is bringing his church together in a big, big way. And the Holy Ghost doing something. So he comes to you, number one. Number two, he is at work for you. I love it. He shows up. He's there for three days, and then at night he walks around. He does an inspection while they're sleeping. You might not know it right now, but I'm telling you, you think, God, where are you in my life? He is at work work in the darkness of your experience and he's got a plan to bring about restoration for you right now yes you and you and you who think my, my situation is too miserable it's burnt down the gates are gone yes you he's been examining the situation and he's made a plan to advance you and restore every good thing to you that's what he's doing he's at work before you even call he's got a plan and here's what i love it says he when he comes to you he doesn't say man you got problems I've been sent to help your mess. You know what he says? Look what he says. He says, look at the trouble we're in. The God himself comes alongside you and says, hey, we're in a bit of a mess right now, but we're going to deal with it. I love how he, he personalizes your situation. He personalizes your pain. And God personally gets involved in your He does it kind of from afar going, oh, things could be better for you. No, we are going to experience a transformation together. All right, here's, here's the last thing. You ready? Here's the last thing. He engages your faith. Because after he said all of that, it says he told them about the gracious hand of God on him, and he told them his conversation with the king. Holy Ghost, sharing with you, sharing with you the king, Lord Jesus, has sent him. He's sharing with you what he's going to do in your life. And then he shares that whole conversation. And then what did they do? They replied and said, oh, whatever. I guess so. Go ahead if you want. No, they said, yes, let us. 
See, the Holy Spirit's not going to do it for you. He's going to do it with you. Let us rebuild the wall. And the Holy Spirit is ready right now, no matter where you think you're at in your life. He is ready to rebuild your circumstance. He's ready to transform your life. He's ready to do. They began. So look what it says. They began the good work. Ha, ha, ha. They began the good work. What's God doing? He's doing working for good in your life right now. Ha, 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 ha. All right, that's good. Okay, please settle down. I have to finish. John 1, 17. For the law was given through Moses. Tuesday. Okay, wait. Tuesday. The law was given through Moses, but grace truthfully Grace, certainly. Grace, absolutely. Grace and truth have come through Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 14. Sin is no longer your master. You're not under the law. Sin, literally, you are a slave to righteousness. You should wake up every day and go, another day of righteousness. Here I go again. Righteousness here, righteousness there, righteousness everywhere. It's just, it's, it's flowing out of you because you, I can't even help myself. Did you want to go first in the line? Can I hold that door for you? Beep, beep. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> you can't even help yourself. It's just gushing out of you. You are no longer a slave to sin. Slave is not your master for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You live under the freedom of God's grace. You live under the freedom of God's grace. So that's where when Malachi ended saying, obey the law of Moses, every bit of it, I'm telling you, or I'll come. And Malachi, the Italian prophet, going to put a hit job on you. That's bad, isn't it? Making fun of the Italian people today. God forgive me. That wasn't very righteous. But you know what? I'm not afraid. I have no fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. I'm not in a law of checking boxes with God. I am his son, absolutely loved, and he's never going to change his mind. He has filled me. Holy Ghost, the divine spirit of God has filled me and flooded me, and he is working in me. He is bringing into manifestation the perfection that is already mine. Let all the perfect people say amen.